Hello. Um, so today, I'm really, really looking forward to this conversation because it's a conversation that really does need to be had. Um, we're going to be talking about sex and sex changes and how we feel about sex during menopause. And this is something that a lot of women, I think, feel a bit nervous about talking about. I don't think it's spoken about often enough. Um, and also, I think there is kind of almost like a, it's a real taboo subject to talk about. Um, and quite often it's because we just don't know and understand what's going on and whether this is normal or whether it isn't normal. So today I am so glad to be joined by Claire, um, who is going to chat to us about this. And I'm going to learn loads as well. And, and hopefully she's going to share some wonderful information with us. Claire, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, Mira. It's my favourite thing to talk about <laughs> sex and the menopause. Sex in general, but sex and the menopause. So this is an absolute delight for me. Thank oh, it's an absolute me. pleasure. Thank you. So I suppose we should start really by um, you introducing yourself to our listeners and kind of who you are and what you do and that kind of thing. And then we can go from there. Brilliant. Thanks, Mira. So um, I'm a medical doctor. I'm a doctor who treats people with breast cancer. That's my That was kind of my day job for a long time. So I'm, a, I'm an oncologist and I treat people with breast cancer. And in the, in, the, in the treatment of a lot of those women with breast cancer, we make a lot yes. of them menopausal with the treatment that we give them. Either we give them chemotherapy and they go into an early menopause or we deliberately make them menopausal and manipulate their hormones to make them yes. essentially menopausal because they have a hormone sensitive breast cancer. So my initial interest in the menopause came from the fact that um, we were creating this situation for a lot of women who were cured of their breast cancer, but in terms of the treatment that they were experiencing was causing quite significant um, problems yes. for them. And we talk about it, but we don't really talk about it. And what we certainly don't talk about is we don't talk no. about the sexual aspects of that. So that was that was where my initial interest in the menopause right. itself came from, was these women who I was looking after. And then I was having my own journey. So I had my own perimenopausal experience. And even with all of that knowledge, I didn't quite twig at the beginning that that's what was happening to me. And at the same time, I was also um, training to be a somatic sex coach. And the more and more I got into that work and, and actually working with people's bodies and helping people to understand how their bodies work um, and helping people to create the sex lives that they wanted, I then began to realise, OK, I love the menopause and all this stuff. I've got all this sex stuff over here, but actually nobody's talking about sex and the menopause. Yeah. Not really. And then I thought, oh, this is perfect for me because it takes all my interest in sex and sex therapy that I do over here, takes my interest in the menopause and brings it all together. So that's wow. where I've come from in terms of my experience of, of why I'm so passionate about sex and the menopause. Mainly it started from yeah. my patients, but actually then became my own personal experience. And then the realisation as I started to move into the menopause space that nobody was actually even talking about sex and that's something I love and know a lot about so that's where it all came together and the, the unholy matrimony I call it of how it all came together and how the pleasure possibility yeah. came to be so that's oh gosh I'm that's sure. it's an amazing journey but one that makes complete sense and it's it's interesting because I've been working recently with a couple of clients um who one in particular actually who was saying exactly that about she's you know breast, breast cancer thriver as she calls it and she was explaining how little information was given to her how little she understood about what was happening to her in her body and then also speaking to another lady recently and I did an Instagram live with her actually was a, uh, she was a she's a radiographer 
Um, and it's for a, a, an organization called Sakoon Through Cancer that I did this live. And we were talking about menopause. And she also said as a radiographer, she had no information to give these women or even signpost them to anywhere. So actually, that's a really interesting topic in in itself, you know, yeah. that kind of the menopause and breast cancer. Um, but I love that that transition led you to where you are today because, and your own personal journey too. And I just, I suppose I, I really wanna start by saying, asking that question, why do you think we don't talk about sex and menopause or sex at all really, but, and menopause together, why are they not grouped? Why don't we make that connection? What's kind of, What's happening in the way? Yeah. yeah, I think we don't talk about sex in general. So we've got to, we've got to start there. And actually, when people come to work with me, we actually have to start way back. It's not about actually what's happening to you right now at this phase of your life, because all the things that have happened along the way have led to this point, and the menopause has just added something on top of all of that. So usually we have to unpick a whole load of stuff before we even get there. So there is just societally, it's not something that we talk about, we're not comfortable with. I think I think, um, I think, think the younger generations are, I've got teenagers and I think they are more open and aware and certainly more comfortable to talk to me, for example, than I might have been had it been my mother. So I think there are things are changing. But so you've got all of that in the background anyway. Um, you know, People of a certain age with a certain type of sex education and a certain type of way they were raised and all of that. And then you've got the menopause on top of it all. And sometimes I think by that point, for many people that come to see me, actually the sex has fallen to the bottom of the list anyway. Mm. So there's something about, now I'm having this experience, it already kind of fallen to the bottom of the list, depending on whether you're in a long-term relationship or you've been a long-term single or whatever it is. And I think there is also a little bit of a myth that, oh, well, maybe that's it all over as well. So there's lots of different narratives that are mainly just conditioning, really, to be honest, about what it is that we believe to be possible. Yeah. But I think... We've already fallen to the bottom of our to-do list. And by that point, sex just feels like a stretch too far on yeah. top of everything else. And then I think the thing, the crucial thing on top of all of that is people are having experiences in their body, mm. but they don't think that they're real or they can't be true or nobody's talking about it and it must only be me and all of those kind of things. So women will come and they'll tell me about pain and dryness and loss of sensation. And it just doesn't feel the same down there. And they think they're the only one. And because we're not talking about it, all of a sudden they think they've got some kind of dried up monster in their pants. And because we're not talking about it, um, everybody's too embarrassed. So there's all sorts of things playing into it. Some that are old and historical and we've brought with us and some that are very unique to this, which is actually, it is likely that your vulva is changing. You're not imagining it. And for, but for someone to say that out loud, it feels like it can't possibly be true. So because we're not talking about it, feeds this sense of, oh, actually it must just be me. Yeah. Um, the question I get asked all the time is, is am I normal doesn't matter yeah. what it is we're talking about yeah. is am I and everybody in my experience is usually normal of some yeah. description yeah. but that's what's getting in the way it's they're actually not willing not able to actually and not having the spaces the, the, the safe the spaces that feel safe enough to have those discussions which is what yeah. I'm passionate about making the spaces where people can say the thing yeah which is which is so important and I think it's it's so valuable but you know sometimes I also think Claire that we don't even have the language mm -hmm. right we don't even have the terminology and the language to understand what bit of us isn't yeah. feeling the same because quite often yeah. it will be sort of down there or yeah. you know it will be words and names given um, you know to our genitalia 
And actually yeah. one of the things I will say in my menopause, any workshop that I do, when I go through the list of symptoms, I will always include in there, your genitalia will change. change yeah. There will be a change. There yeah. will and there I think that's, that's a really interesting that's a really interesting part of some of the work that I do with people. So we, we use this term that we call the genital hole. And what that means is that actually, if I ask you to close your eyes and imagine your left pinky, for example, you can probably close your eyes and imagine and feel into your left pinky. If I say to you, close your eyes and imagine your left labia, most people can't do that. So it's, it's almost like we, 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 we exist yes. from the head to the top yeah. of our pelvis and from the top of our legs down. And we don't actually have a felt sense or, a, or a, an experience of our genitals. And particularly for a lot of women, they might never even have looked and they don't even know no. what they look like. So when no. things start to change, they don't have a benchmark. They don't have something to compare it with because they've never looked. They may, they may not have a self-pleasure practice in which they actually touch themselves routinely. So they don't know what it feels like. So they're having an experience and they don't really have anything to compare it with. They just know that something's not quite right. Oh, right. But what you're explaining about we don't have a sense of and we don't have names for is really, really common. It's as almost as if we stop at the pelvis and start at yeah. the top of the thighs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I uh, obviously I speak to a lot of women from many different cultures, but I know within the South Asian community yeah. in particular you know it, women's health is is like the last thing on the list anyway um and you know it's almost it's forbidden it's bad to talk about to think about you know anything to do with yeah. sex or babies or anything to do with your periods or you know female genitalia yeah. are just not on the radar at all um and if you do talk openly about it you know gosh that's just terrible um you know and i, and I think as you said same for me with my children my girls I've got two girls I was very very keen to make sure that it wasn't that that when we talked about having sexual relationships when we talked about sex when we talked about uh you know their periods or when they they were able to come and talk to me about pain or or it didn't feel right or you know anything that happened to them um I have to say and I have to be honest that actually sometimes there are moments where I feel a little bit uncomfortable mm. and I have to kind of go, okay, don't, don't be uncomfortable. Don't let it show. Don't let it show. Don't let it show. <laughs> don't kind of go, what? And I'm like, okay, okay, no, it's okay. It's fine. Just kind of grin. And so, but you know, that, that is also there too, because of my upbringing yeah. and how I was. And I suppose, I think, okay, not having the words to be able to describe something is one thing. You then also got because you don't know what's going on, so you can't even describe it. Then on top of that, you've got these menopausal symptoms like like the dryness, but also the hot flashes and the 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 loss of confidence, the anxiety, the palpitations. You're getting things like hair loss. You're tired. All of that stuff is just like quite often the women will say to me, the last thing on my mind is having sex with my husband and if I do it's just because I almost feel it's a sense of duty yeah. um you know I just just oh really that's kind of the whole thing and do you find that a lot how do we how do we change that how do we help women with that I think so my my experience of working with people like that is that um that that what you said there that what we call the guilt sex so I'm having sex because I feel guilty if I don't have one to have sex right. I mean and that um that's really, really common in my experience because we have this sense that sex is for and with someone else. 
And often we are conditioned to believe that men want more sex, enjoy more sex, all sorts of other messages that we got need sex, for example, when actually the vast majority of that is absolute nonsense. It's just things that we have internalized from the cultural beliefs that are out there. Um, and in terms of helping people to move forward, I'd completely flip on a skip and say, what do you want? Because what we find is women tend to be overgivers, people pleasers, all of the things that go with that and have become habituated by this point in their life to put in everybody else's needs first. Yeah. So actually, one of the main things I start with is I start with, what do you want? And of course, when I say to people, what do they want? They don't know. No. And that's OK. That's a great place to start. But at least know that you don't know what it is that you want. And then working with that to establish, well, OK, you don't know. But if you could, if you had, if you could dream, if you could imagine, what would it be? Because we can't achieve something that we don't even know what it is. So if there's if, if people are sitting in that place of having guilt sex or chore sex, then actually it's easier rather than trying to get them out of that is to say, OK, well, what would you like? And then for them to realize that they don't even know what they want. And then we need to work with that. Okay, why are you the bottom of your to-do list? What is it that would make the difference here? Um, what is it that if you could have anything you want and we could wave a magic wand tomorrow, what would it be? Because once we know that, once we know what people actually want, then we can work backwards. Because the last thing I think people at this stage in life need is to then have another should on top of the nails. Well, I should want this or it should look like that. And I say to people, it doesn't have to look like anything at all that you don't want it to look like. But you, we need to get really clear, first of all, is what is it that you want? Because then we can try and work towards making it happen. But often when you ask women, they don't even know what they want. And that's where we need to start. Mm, yeah, gosh, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because you we never really ask that. We're never really... We're never given that power. We're never given that control back because um, you just, and during menopause, you feel like you're losing more control than ever. You know, you're completely yeah. changing. But um, is there a reason why that's happening? Is there a reason why our libido might be lower and we just don't feel like having sex anymore? It all feels different. Well, I think there's a, there's a lot of combinations of things. What I see often now, particularly in the menopause space, is just have some testosterone and it'll all be fine. So as we know, in addition, in addition yeah. to... Um, in addition to thinking about the fact that we're losing estrogen and that's got the biggest impact because right. the estrogen is what is in fact I'll show you actually because I brought my vulva bucket hey, so this is this is, is Verity this is Verity the velvet I'll move back a little bit so she's in frame this is Verity the velvet vulva I don't go anywhere without my vulva <laughs> and <laughs> the important thing to understand in terms of the estrogen part of it to start with is all of these tissues so if we imagine this would be outer labia so that's the parts yeah, that are covered yeah. with hair this is the inner labia or the inner lips. You've got the clitoral hood here and the clitoral glands, which is underneath. And then you've got the vaginal vault itself with the G-spot in here. And then between the clitoris and yeah. the vagina, we have the urethra. That's where we pee out of. We do pee out of somewhere separate. But there are still people who come to me in their 50s that think they're peeing out of their vagina, but we're absolutely not. It's just no. so clear. Oh, gosh. So wow. All of these tissues in your pants and the things above it, so the pelvic floor that's holding all of this in place and the bladder, all of these tissues require estrogen to work well. Right. At the menopause, when the estrogen is falling, these tissues, which are the most sensitive in the body to estrogen, are beginning to die off. That's that's what's happening. So you are losing tissue. You are losing sensitivity. You are losing lubrication. All of those things are absolutely real. You're not making it up in your head. It's wow. absolutely real. 
So all of these tissues themselves are beginning to die off or atrophy. You may have come across yes, the term vulva vaginal atrophy. So atrophy just means dying off. So all of these tissues are dying off. So they're not working as well. So who wants to do a thing with a thing that's not working very well, that's comfortable and, un and painful and all of those kind of things. So that is feeding into our level of desire. So if you are not going to desire or want for something that you know is going to be painful. So there's that piece. Mm. There is then, in addition to the estrogen that's falling, that's the levels that are falling, our testosterone levels are falling. But actually, in truth, our testosterone levels are falling from our late 20s, early 30s onwards. It's not purely a menopausal thing. Right. But often I see, I'm just going to get some testosterone and this is all going to be fixed, and a huge amount of disappointment on the other side of that. Because our sex, our, our want for, and our libido, if that's the word we use, or our sex drive, which isn't a drive, we'll come to that bit in a minute isn't purely driven by hormones it's driven by many different things right. testosterone may be one of those and it is helpful for some women in some contexts but testosterone is not going to fix the fact that you're in a marriage that you don't really want to be in or your job is particularly stressful or your teenagers are a nightmare or you're looking after your elderly parents or you're too tired testosterone isn't going to fix all of those things that are in the mix in terms of whether we feel that we want to have sex or not yeah. And one of the things that I find probably the, a couple of the most useful things that I tell people is we have this sense that sex drive is a drive. So that this idea that we will suddenly out of the blue whilst standing with a marigold on at the sink be overcome with horniness and want to have sex. Right. So that's the idea that we're presented with. That yeah. that's what should be happening. That that's what sex drive looks like. Now, what we know from research is that for the vast majority of people in male bodies, that is how they may experience their desire. Not totally, but in general, they have what is called spontaneous desire. That means right. it comes out of the blue, not necessarily out of the blue, but it's something that arises in you and you notice mm. and you're driven to want to engage sexually with someone. So for the vast majority of people in male bodies, that's what it will look like. What we know about people in female bodies is that they experience what's called responsive desire. So mm. rather than something that comes out of the blue, what happens is we start to notice that our sexy things going on, we feel something in our body, and then we think, oh yeah, this feels good, I want to be doing this. Now the reason that's important is because if you are standing waiting for a bolt of desire to the fanny, as I call it, it's not coming. It was never coming. And actually, you might never actually even have experienced that in your younger years. What most women have is what's called responsive desire which means when things start with it when things we start to think about it, or we make time for it or we make room for it or we allow our imagination to go there then we will start to experience a sense of desire yeah yeah and the reason that's really important is because you need to put the content you need to put yourself in a situation where you can then experience desire if you're waiting for it to come and hit you it's not it's coming not however yeah. if you yeah. put your body in the bed so the other thing I say is people will come to me and say, oh God, you know, I haven't had sex for ages and then eventually we get around to it and I didn't really want to do it, but I loved it. Why don't we do this more often? Which is yeah. what people tell me all the time. Actually, when I get into it, yeah, I really enjoy it and, 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 and I wonder why I don't do it more. That is responsive desire. That right. is the sense of you're not, you might not necessarily spontaneously feel it out of nowhere. If you didn't before, you're not going to now. Even if you perhaps you did before in your younger years, you may feel that less when our yeah. hormones start to change at this point in yeah. time. Yeah. But what you actually want to do is you have to realize that if you want to have 
and you might not want to, but if you want to have a yeah. success life that's fulfilling and is meaningful to you in some way, you have to create it. It's not something that's going to come to you from the outside. And I use that, the phrase, it's a, it's a phrase actually from Emily Nagoski's book, which is called Come As You Are, that she uses, that is, you need to put your body in the bed. Because mm. so, once you make the container and the time and the commitment to it, you will probably enjoy it. Yeah. If we've dealt with all of the other things, the pain and the dryness yeah. and all the other stuff, yeah um, but in general terms in terms of just the desire piece itself it's yeah. not coming to hit you and you need to commit to it and that's where the best in my experience in terms of the couples I work with the people who create the kind of sexual expression that they want to have in relationship have worked at it yeah. and commit yeah. to it it's not going to happen by magic yeah no I, I I yeah I get I just I can see that I can I can hear it I can see that in in you know in my own context I can understand that actually as a woman you know it is it's about the situation it's about the build-up it's about the creating of that environment um and yeah definitely I think most women that I speak to as well and I say this is a I, I would say most women I'm not going to generalize but yeah it is all about kind of the timing the mood yep. the how they're feeling you know they might have been on a night out or something and you know we'll have yeah. girlfriends calling back and go you know on our way back home we're like right you know yeah. messaging each other um yeah. and sort of like gearing each other up to see what you know but but that's kind of how it it I can see that that kind of works like that whereas for the for the men it seems to be slightly different the way that yeah, it is and we know that from research we know that the experience that experience is different and the other thing is you know when you know it's quite the context in which what you're saying is the context of what is yes. important but yeah. we can't expect the context the context to happen by magic no, no, just no, 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 no. you've got to make it yeah. line and the perfect context is going to appear for you because the, the truth of the matter is that isn't really how it works so if if people want to have sex lives that are meaningful scheduling sex people hate that idea it works an absolute treat schedule it in the diary make some decisions make some commitments about what you want to do and also on the side of that if that's a partnered relationship is what is your relationship with yourself and your own relationship with self-pleasure and that's a whole other the courses that I run have a whole piece on self-pleasure and masturbation and how women of a certain age might view all of that and how we can start to work with some of the things that they believe about yeah. that that they've worked with them from childhood and all oh of that goodness, stuff and actually the importance of the importance of self-pleasure yeah and actually in addition to all of that, in terms of just vaginal, vaginal and vulval health, how important it can be to have an experience of arousal and orgasm, if that's what you choose, because that's, that's actually very good for you. It's very good for your genitals, increased blood flow. All of that stuff is actually very helpful. But again, sometimes that just feels like a giant addition to the to-do list. So there's got to be a payoff. There's got to be, it's got to be worth it. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, 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 and some of that is about committing to it. Yeah, no, you're you're, you're totally right. I think, you know, again, there are so many women that I've spoken to, and I have many friends, and for some, you know, their sex life is absolutely thriving, um, you know, regardless of menopause or not menopause or whatever, and, and some who just kind of, you know, like, well, it's just not right for me. And, um, but I think in both instances, the thing that I've noticed is that that communication with their partner, whoever that may be at the time, if they're within a relationship, is absolutely key yeah. um but also as well as that and you you touched on this just a bit was um the practicality yeah right sort of i i suppose perhaps the listeners and people you know might want to know about the uh, going back to the masturbation in a minute but just on that practical level that practicality whether it is masturbation or whether it is having 
you know, um, sexual intercourse with a partner, it is about that. How do we, on a practical level, make it not painful, make it more enjoyable? Yes, we've talked about the mood and the the surrounding and the context and the whole thing. But how does how do we do that? You know, because yeah. if it's just painful to have sex, then it doesn't matter what you do. It's going to be painful yeah. to have sex. Yeah. The the first part of all of that is the idea that real sex is penetration. That's the first place to start. Is this idea that actually it's only sex if there if if you're in a heterosexual relationship where there's a penis and a vagina. And if it isn't that, then it isn't sex. And actually, if it isn't that, it's not good enough. And if it isn't that, yes. he'll not be happy and all of that stuff. So there's all of that thing that needs to be looked at because actually, if you find yourself in a situation where you have um, the genital urinary syndrome of menopause, which is which is the over-encompassing term that we now use for the vaginal atrophy that we've spoken of, right. you know that can be that is extremely treatable, extremely treatable. Okay. So uh, as as we showed on the puppet, all of that is to do with loss of estrogen. So if you have estrogen replaced, the vast majority of those tissues will recover. So whether you choose to have HRT, full HRT, so the patches or gels or tablets, is one thing. If you don't want that for many reasons, and there might be reasons why you don't, you can, most people can still use vaginal estrogens locally. So that means putting the estrogen directly into the vagina, usually in a pellet or a cream, um, and that is not absorbed into the rest of our body or a tiny, tiny amount that we're not worried about is absorbed into the rest of our body. So even my patients who've had a hormone-sensitive breast cancer, for example, if there are other, if we've tried other things that are non-hormonal and they're not having any and not having any luck with any of that I will still pre pre prescribe hormone preparations to my hormone sensitive breast cancer patients if we're just using it locally in the vagina right. to give you an idea of how unbothered we are actually yeah. about the systemic absorption so that's the absorption into yeah. the rest of it. Yeah. it is extremely effective extremely wow. effective oh, wow. so and there's a couple of things to say around that which is as we know Many of the symptoms of the menopause can last for a long time, but many of them will get better with time. So hot flushes will settle down, insomnia will settle down, when the hormones and things all settle down, most of that will settle with time. What we know about vulvovaginal atrophy is it will not get better with time because the tissues are dying off. There's no way for them to get better. So what I say to people is that if you are having symptoms of dryness or pain, don't wait because it's easier to maintain what you've got and get some improvement than if you leave it for months or years and those tissues have died off even further so it will not get better with time and I really that's one of the things I really 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 want people to know is that actually if it's something that's bothering you now it's going to be bothering you in six months time and it's going to be bothering you in 12 months time and it's going to be bothering you in five years time it's not going to get better and you don't need to tolerate it and the treatments are extremely successful and they're very safe mm -hmm. so the practicalities of some of that is if you're somebody who's decided for whatever reason that, you've, that you want to use um, natural and nutritional methods to manage your menopause and you don't want HRT, but you're having this particular problem, you yeah. can have local vaginal estrogen for that and you don't need to. Even women who choose to use full HRT, about 25% of them, so one in four people who are using HRT will still have the vaginal problems and might need additional vaginal estrogen. So again, even if you're choosing HRT, that might you might still need to be topped up locally with vaginal estrogens. And that's something you can talk about with your GP. They're really not difficult to use. They're extremely effective. Um, and don't wait would be my advice around the practicalities of some of that. So that's that's managing it with hormones. The other two other aspects of treatment, one is vaginal moisturizers. 
you moisturize your face you moisturize your fanny that's how it goes when you get to our age so there are different types of moisturizers for vaginal and for vaginal use and they're usually quite long acting so you might only use them two or three times a week right and they have compounds that cause the um the moisture to be retained within okay. the vaginal walls itself, in the walls of the skin. And they've, they've got hyaluronic acid in them, which is stuff yeah. that we do actually use on face. Well, on face yeah. it, helps to hold, it helps to hold moisture in the vagina. Right. So you can use them along with vaginal estrogens, should you choose, you can use them on their own. And they are a completely non-hormonal method. So somebody who doesn't want any hormones at all, you can use long-acting vaginal moisturizers. You can buy them over the counter and you can get them on prescription. So that's the second one. And the third one is lube. Loop, 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 loop. And actually, it doesn't matter what age you are, I talk to people about loop because, again, we have this onerous um, expectation of our body that it should perfectly lubricate every time yeah. exactly when we need it. And that's just not yeah. how it goes, no matter what age you are. Um, everything feels better with lube. Everything feels better, whether that's self pleasure, whether it's pleasure with a partner, whether it's whether you're using a sex toy, doesn't matter what it is. Everything is better with lube. And think carefully about the type of lube that you use. So right. be thinking about something that is pH balanced. Yeah. So one of the other things that we know is that the pH of our vagina changes after menopause, and the bugs that grow in the vagina change. So we need to be thinking about monitoring the pH and just thinking about the quality of what it is that you're putting inside yourself yes. when you're when, when you might already be having some delicacies and some problems and some pain down there. So lubrication on everything, all the time. Brilliant. I mean, it's yeah, do you know what that is? Just such brilliant advice. Uh, such brilliant advice. Um, I think everybody listening, who, who whatever stage, phase, whatever you're going through, uh, is going to find that absolutely so, so useful. Um, because you've just in that, well, I mean, the whole so far, you've just really busted so many myths already, you know, and they're, like I said, just, just not spoken about at all and not touched upon in detail. Um, and actually it's such an important part of so many women's lives. Um, as you said, whether it's for self-pleasure or it's for pleasure with another partner, it just, uh, it doesn't really matter. It's just such, it can be such an important part of your life to actually kind of just dismiss it and just go, well, I'll just live without it or I'll just do, cause it's just too much. There's with so many options that you've mentioned there, yeah. but can be, as you said, it's so easy. Yeah, it's actually really, really easy and satisfying yeah. to treat because it's actually really, really effective. And of course, on the other side of this, if we're talking about people in partnered relationships and heterosexual relationships, then you, your partner might also be having, you know, partners are also partners of a certain age often and maybe having their own issues. And, you know, it may be that actually they may be having issues with, say, erectile dysfunction, it's a horrible term, but basically, I mean, they may be having problems getting and maintaining an erection, which brings a whole other layer of yeah. things, which if you're not talking about it, just becomes this thing that you don't talk about and it becomes a wider and wider wedge and nobody's getting what they want. And actually, I treat, I deal with many couples who have a very successful, fulfilling sex life that doesn't involve penetration at no. all. Yeah. So there's lots, it's starting to think about some of the work that I do with people is about getting them to expand their repertoire of things that they find pleasurable and actually yeah. focusing on pleasure in this. I mean, this is the most amazing machine for yes. experiencing pleasure ever. Yes. Um, yes. And most of us have never had an instruction manual and don't know what to do with no. it. 
and no. don't really realize that there's so many things that are available to us there in pleasure and intimacy and connection because that's usually what people are looking for yeah from you know at, at this point in their life if they've been with a partner for a long time it's the intimacy and connection and being together piece yeah. you can create all of that without penetration ever if that's yeah. what you want yeah yeah totally totally gosh it's been such a fascinating conversation i've just love this as and I knew I would I've learned so much I literally have learned so much so much that I can pass on to my clients and get them to listen to this podcast because it's going to really really give them a lot of information and even if they don't want to have a conversation with me or with anybody else you've actually passed on the information um, to them and yeah you know it's okay to talk about it it's okay to have this conversation um uh, and it doesn't have to be one way or another way or this way. And do you know the thing about menopause? And I think particularly post-menopause, because peri, peri can be a little bit tough for some people. Um, but post-menopause, that, that exploration you were talking about, you, you, feel so, you feel so much freer. There's a real sense of freedom once you get to that post-menopausal stage. It re- honestly is. Anybody listening who's going through perimenopause, just hang in there because you know, postmenopausal now, and there is just this sense of like, whatever went before just isn't particularly relevant and doesn't really matter because you're suddenly left with this body that is slightly different, your mind is different, your body is different, and you just don't care anymore. And actually, that's a great time to start exploring and a great time to think about things in a very different way than you were brought up to think about and, you know, breaking those taboos. So it's fantastic i love it yeah brilliant and i think you know so so estrogen is the people pleaser hormone so there is something that is that is the effect on our brain in terms of connection and community and all those things that are the things that keep us that that make us caretake and tend to everyone else and actually we know that on the other side of that people give less of a monkeys to be honest because they're not because actually the 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 estrogen going actually also changes something in our brain also and yeah. we are we are, we we care less and we're more adventurous and we want to do more things. So there are there are great things as well on Absolutely. the other side of the menopause. But but equally, um, yeah. you don't need to tolerate all the stuff in between. You know, there's ways no. to help you manage all the in between exactly. bit that can feel really pretty rough. Exactly. Um, and particularly around this vulvar vaginal artery bit because it's not going to get better. It's no. not something that's magically going to get better on its own no. because it is bit purely relation to estrogen loss and tissue loss and that's not going to come back so that's not that i don't want people to think that they should be tolerating that because that bit definitely won't yeah and women do we do don't we we just kind of put up with it or you're told just put up with it it's fine and i hear women who are you know can't wear jeans or can't wear yeah 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 yeah. can't wear because it's just so painful and i'm like wow that's just that's just heartbreaking that that's how bad it is and um you know you need to seek some help because as yeah. you said it's it, it's there is there is help available so yeah definitely i think the message is to seek help and there is so much that we can do there is so much yeah. help out there don't suffer in silence in any way claire, claire i just it's been lovely speaking to you i i would really love you to share how people can get in touch with you should they yeah, wish to um if you've got any social media places whatever wherever it is that they can actually get you know reach you if you've got a space where they can contact you um, and yeah. ask those questions if you need to. Come and join us at the Pleasure Possibility Facebook group. So it's a closed group. 
it's yeah. purely for perimenopausal and menopausal women to talk about sex that's all we talk about really <laughs> that's what it's about and it's called the pleasure possibility because we have to be available to the idea that pleasure is possible for us at this point in our life yeah. and people come and they, they, they get support from other women I'm there so I can give specifics go to your GP and ask for this type of thing and people come back and tell us their wins and they come back and tell us I had sex for the first time in five years and oh. I mean it really is a lovely lovely supportive space so come find us at pleasure possibility on facebook is probably the best place to to get hold of me and i'm there and people can ask me things directly there oh that sounds amazing i'm gonna join i'm definitely gonna join. <laughs> perfect do yeah, come and join us I, yeah when i get off this podcast i certainly will that sounds amazing thank you you've been so wonderful to speak to but before i let you go um there is a question we ask all our guests okay um, and it's it's uh around really sharing something that um you feel is something you cherish whether it's a ritual or a habit or whatever that you really cherish and you would love to share with others and perhaps that by sharing that they may be able to um also enjoy it and you never know it might kind of change things for them okay this is a really well actually it was quite difficult this is quite a difficult one for me because there's one is do I mention the green smoothie which but actually that's not (laughs) what I'm going to say what I'm going to say is I'm going to say having a self-pleasure practice, a self-pleasure ritual of setting aside, doesn't matter how long it is, it can be 10 minutes, it can be two minutes, it can be half an hour, once a week at a minimum to just be with your body with no intention, no specific orgasm goal in mind, no specific I have to achieve in anything, to be with this body and to engage in experiencing the pleasures that it's got to offer you with your hands and toys, if that's what you want, but to be with your body in a self-pleasure ritual, light a candle, set aside some time, put a sign on the door, whatever it is that you need to do, but set aside some time where you can just simply be with your beautiful body that's capable of immense pleasure just for you. Mm. That's my that's my well-being, self-pleasure. Yeah, that's what I do. I think yep. It's that's such a, a a beautiful bit of advice and something that I think we just do not do at all no, no. doesn't even come on the radar for so many for so many yeah. women um so yeah I think that sounds absolutely wonderful um and yeah thank you for sharing that with us it's it's just it's really thought-provoking and actually makes you sit, stop and think that actually sometimes it's all of this we talk about self-care and you know, yeah. somebody will get their nails done and somebody get their hair done and somebody will do this or they go for a massage. But actually it can be, I suppose it's not, as, it, it may not be simple for some people, but it can be as simple as literally what you've described um, and exploring your body and enjoying it. So thank you so much for joining us and, and thank you. Oh, for it's been a pleasure, Mia. Oh. Thank you for having me. Thank you.